0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all new episode of Deep Cuts Live. Uh, I'm your host, Antoine Reed. And today we're going to be speaking to uh, we actually have two guests. I know we didn't publicize two guests, but we were lucky enough to have two guests here today. So we have um, Sebastian from Cavalier Cigars and also Brian from Cavalier Cigars. So this is a brand that I know a lot of people have know about. They have very interesting blends, very inter- interesting products. Um, so, I'm looking forward to spending an hour speaking to them about what they're doing and what's going on with Cavalier. So, let me bring on our guests. Hey, guys.
1: Hey, Anton. Hey, what's up, oh. Hey, everybody. How are you guys doing?
0: Let me see you yeah, thank you for, thank for coming on today. And you were telling me that you're in Honduras. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, we're, we're currently actually sitting at the, at the factory in Dundee. Uh, so we were joking a little bit around just saying that we hope the electricity doesn't go away it's been <laughs> kind of a classic these
0: days <laughs> yeah so uh, for, for those of you watching if watching live if they do cut out just hang in there i'll you know i'll wait for them to kind of come back in um and we'll go from there though but hopefully we'll we should we- be good.
1: yeah yeah they didn't announce every, anything so we should be good <laughs> with pressing fingers
0: yeah so it's funny cuz I followed you on Instagram, which like I follow as many cigar brands as I can. So I've seen what you kind of do. I got an idea. And I, when I interview different people, I ask them stuff. And I think I forget who it was. I want to say it was maybe Vlad from um, from uh, Lampert who works with Lampert and who works with uh, Castogli, who was uh, maybe I think it's, it was him who was telling me about you and how. Uh, if it wasn't him, it was somebody very similar to position wise about how you kind of gave him a blend one time to try. And it was so different. And uh, so I wanted to to definitely get into the, like your whole approach to blending, because whether it was him or not, I've heard diff- very interesting things about how you approach blending and uh, flavor profiles. And uh, especially with all today's news about flavors, you know, the different side of flavors in the cigar industry i think there's a lot to talk about so um before we be get into the talk about the, the actual blends could you each introduce yourself and talk, talk a little bit about who you are and what kind what role you hold within cavalier
1: so um well my name is sebastian uh, i'm the founder of cavalier and co-founder of the factory we're sitting at right now which is fct Fábrica Centroamericana de in Dandia, Honduras. And my old doppelganger there is... I'll <laughs> let him do the
2: introduction. No, go ahead. <laughs> you call I me started, old? I started well, right? Uh, I'm Brian Matola, and I'm also uh, partnered with Sebastian on both the brand and in the factory as well.
0: So, Brian.
1: Brian and I opened the factory a little bit ago. Uh, oh, it's over a year ago now. Um, oh, yeah, it's been uh, fourteen months. Fourteen now. months, almost ish, fifteen, 15 months now. Um, something like that. And uh, about now, two three months ago, uh, Brian joined us on the Caviar side too. Um, uh, you know, and uh, through that process of joining us and taking a position with us. Uh, which is uh, largely related uh, to sales, but other other aspects too of the company uh, also got um, uh, you know uh, entered into that partnership with us and became partner with the brand. I think it's something that made a lot of sense to us.
0: So obviously, I know I've been working with you both to kind of write a little bit of a story about you. Also, I know. I've done a little bit of research on you walls. So I know a little bit of your backstory, but I know that there are gonna be people who watch this or listen to this who may not be as familiar with Cavalier. So um, Sebastian, you have such an interesting story about how you got into the cigar industry. So can you just talk about how, what led you to cigar in general and then what led you, inspired you to kind of leave behind your corporate job to pursue cigars full time.
1: Mm. So, first of all, before starting, for some reason, now that we're live, of course, I'm starting to get messages, so my phone is just vibrating and moving around, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. I hope it stops, but sorry if it makes a little bit of noise, that's um, it's the beauty of every time you get suddenly something you really need to do and you need peace for it, Everything goes so crazy. Um, but yeah, it, it's, you know, I, I didn't... The, the the thing I think is uh, the, the the essence of of it is um, I really didn't have any background in in the industry. You know, i I'm, I was born and raised in Switzerland. Uh, nobody around my in my family was a cigar smoker or anything. So it was very a, a very uh, distant world world for me. Um, and in general, uh, you know, I've not at the time I've not had the chance to just be born in 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 that knowledge and that industry and and have the chance to know and grow with it and you know get to learn very early on about it but i got kind of intrigued about cigars when i was in my early 20s um and got so much into it that uh, i did leave my corporate job uh, when i was 22 at the time and uh kind of sold everything took a plane ticket to central america and said yeah we'll see what happens I've, you know, with the, with the with the, the hope in mind that I could figure out a way or another to get to learn, get to learn about tobacco, get to learn about the industry, and try to see if it was really as much of as attractive to me as I thought it was. Um, but you know, it's there's a big difference between theory, reading, and enjoying sitting down, having a cigar, and actually uh, making it. You know, your your life, basically uh, your your career, your life, and everything. So. I decided to take that chance and i moved to to honduras uh, some funky things happen in 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 the way here you know i i, I didn't i didn't know anything about you know really the 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 countries around here i just knew they were growing tobacco you know rolling rolling cigars and i knew a little bit about historical facts about the area but you know young me very stuff i would not do anymore i think uh young me just coming here and saying "Hmm, english is going to be enough you know that was that was a pretty first big mistake i think so arriving here i remember they lost my luggage in panama before i even arrived in That's which you know panama you're like yeah as international you should have everybody speaking english there right yeah so they lose my luggage i go to the the counter i'm like hello i'm sorry um I think you know luggage, luggage got lost. Can you help me with that? And the guy just looks at me with big eyes and like mm. tells me a paper. Didn't speak English, just spoke Spanish and everything. I'm like, oh, this is gonna be really funky. You know, kidding. <laughs> if if Panama, if the guy in the airport in Panama, international airport, could not speak English to me, I was like, what is it gonna be in Honduras? And it was pretty much so. You know, uh, people people mainly spoke Spanish. Uh, speaks Spanish. Very few speak English. Uh, but the, the, beauty, the, beauty, the beauty of it is, is, you know, it forced me to actually learn not only the culture here and have a chance to learn about tobacco, but it also taught me uh, a complete new language to me. And I actually would rather, my, my Spanish is actually much better than my English right now. So for the fun fact, right? I think one just reversed. <laughs> but yeah, I moved here. I uh, was 22 years old um, in the city I'm in, Danley right now. Um, I spent, you know, I, I got very, very lucky at time. I had not much, you know, to know and to look for, um, but lucky enough, I fell in the hands of, you know, an amazing family and am- amazing people. Uh, the first, first, pl- first person to pick me up here was uh, in Delhi when arriving, a little randomly, uh, was uh, some is someone called uh, Aline Beres. Perez. Uh, I didn't know at the time is uh, very, very closely related uh, uh, to the the Placencia family. And um, so, you know, that first day between Nadine and meeting Nestor Sr. and everything was pretty pretty impressive. And it really went from there. They saw I was a kid. They saw I was an excited kid. I wanted to see, look. You know, it was like a candy store kind of situation. And um, lucky enough, they just offered to open their doors to me and for me to stay as long as I needed, wanted to learn. And so I obviously took that opportunity and everything started there a couple of years ago now.
0: And before we go forward with more of your story, Brian, could you share how you also got started in the industry?
2: Um, So I got started in the industry by meeting Dion Gialito. And uh, we became friends. And uh, I used to sit in his cigar shop in Reno and talk to him about... um, you know, everything. I mean, not just cigars, but I, I talked to him about a lot of things. And then one day he just said to me, hey, maybe you would take a look at joining my company. And, uh, you know, my kids were grown. I was, you know, a single dad. So I always kind of played it safe while I was, a, uh, you know, raising my kids. And they were grown. And it just seemed like the right time. And so uh, I jumped in, you know, with both feet. Like everything I've ever done in my life, I didn't just... uh you know, say, well, let me try it out, see if it works. I, you know, I've been a cigar smoker for years. I started smoking, I think, probably at the age of 16. I lived through the cigar boom, which he was just born when it happened. So, um, you know, I actually lived through that. And I remember, you know, the quality going to hell and the prices going up during the cigar boom of the 90s. And I was like, what happened to this great world that I was by myself it felt like um, and so I jumped in and then I met Sebastian uh, about four years ago in Virginia and we just clicked you know it, you meet people in life uh, all the time but sometimes you meet people and you go there's a little bit more to this um, so <clears throat> we uh, we took the venture into the factory last uh so we started building during covid right like while the world was trying to figure out what was happening and what's gonna is the end coming or where are we we're building a factory in honduras yeah. so um you know it's it's it just was a great relationship from the start so that's as much how i got in and uh we are we're just having a good time i mean this factory is amazing uh, we we don't want to leave when we come <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been, it's yeah, as Brian said, it's pretty interesting, you know, we, a lot of people come and go in life, but um, I think uh, out of the fact that we kind of looked sim- family, uh, similar, you know, I think we had the same yeah. problem and stuff yeah. happened, and just a just couple of years of difference, but that's it. Yeah, I just said you were your you were Yeah, your. again. <laughs> um, but, you know, in general, um, I, I really think that was one of those very special times when everything clicked, and and we started, you know, get to know each other better, and and see that we had very common uh, visions uh, in life and way of looking at things, and and we also understood very quickly after that that there could be synergies, and, and you know, step by step, some, some stuff happened. We started first, um, we, you know, we, we made that factory together, um, and and obviously we've been we've been very. Uh, lucky to, uh, to move into Illusion's uh, f- uh, fulfillment facility as first brand that they opened doors for. Uh, which you know, Illusion for me was always uh, you know you, you, it's it's a fun industry. It's a it's a brand I was uh, always looked up, always be uh, I was a, always very very intrigued and interested in in, in Dion's work and, and how he was looking at tobacco, which is very different from me. But I think it's it's very delicate. It's very very refined and and um, so got that chance. Um, through those conversations with Brian to get into there the factory and, and later on um, you know things just move towards the the, the the situation where we're in now where we, we 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 work on a daily basis together. So
0: So when you when you got into the industry, I know you, you had to learn a lot about the industry. Like it wasn't like you were one of the like the next generation of a family that you know had always done this for generation after generation and you were um coming in, like I said, trying to, to learn as a newcomer. So I know the placentias kind of took you under their wing. Yeah. It's you know you it's it's, a, you. it's an it's an
1: interesting oh. Oh, Wi Fi is going all crazy. I'm sorry about that. No, it's fine. We didn't catch that part. Right.
0: Oh, I was just saying. Another Placencia, yeah. We kind didn't of, and took you under their wing when you first kind of was trying to learn about the industry. Yeah.
2: yeah,
1: you know, one thing to know about this industry, I think, is it takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of of time um, to learn. There is no school. There is no one way to learn. The only way to, you know, there is no, there is no. Oh, I'll go there. I'll learn, and learn. I'll be able to understand this industry. It's a very unique industry for that. And the only actual way to learn is, is, you know, put your be hands on. You just have to go and try and look and try to find solutions and find people that, that know and are willing to share. And lucky enough, this industry is, I think, full of people that are happy to share and, and, and you know, want to to carry on that message and everything. So I kind of fell under that amazing family. It was uh, a lot of time with Adim, uh, but also amazing quality time with, you know, Nestor and, and his three sons and Nestor and, and Andres, José Luis, you know, everybody. Um, and, and, and in general, the whole family, I mean, just in general, the the whole family, the whole group of Placencia is, is, is being you know, an extreme, a very lucky kind of moment in life for me because I don't think there is many other, compare, uh, you know, other l- Families or, or 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 companies in this industry that, that could teach as much as they can, right? They're they I think the the, the one fa- one of these families you wish you were born in if you want to be in this industry. It's what it is. Let's be honest, you know.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So when you can learn from from them, it's something I'll never forget, and it's something that's uh, I will always be extremely grateful with, uh, for. And you know, up to this day, they're still uh, they're still here and still helping. And still, you know, they've never ever failed helping ever, and they never owed anything. You know, they never owed. It's not like you know, you, you. It's one of these situations where normally in life, when people give you that much support, they usually owe you something, right? And in their case, it's always been just because they have a huge heart. You know, so it's 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 one of these things. There there is hardly enough. Good words and good things to say about this and this industry and, and this kind of things that happen here so yeah I feel a bit under them you know I um, and, and I said spend a lot of time with a here about a year in, in Honduras and just spending time at factories you know just you know you, the, the only way I'll, I'll never forget that story getting the first day into um, a operation at the time and uh, we were talking about tobacco and I was all excited and it's like mm, it's pretty cool it seems like you've been you know Pretty interested, you've learned quite a bit of things from that far. And we got into the factory, he calls someone, he's like, Bring me this and that. And me kind of not understanding at all what he was saying, but just figured they were. So the guy comes back with two leaves of tobacco, and I didn't take them, hands them to me. And now I don't remember if it was seco, viso, viso ligero, seco ligero, whatever it was. And he's saying, Let's say it was seco, viso seco, and uh, one viso, one seco. He gives me the two leaves, and it's like, Which one is a seco, which one is a viso? And I remember looking at him and I was like, oh, well, I, I literally answered, well, it's, it's tobacco. And he looked at me, he laughed and said, well, you're going to, now you're going to learn. So, you know, it's it just told me literally all that theory that you were talking about. I, that was funny, but let me show you how this industry works. And so that was the beauty. That's the first day. That's where it started. And and, and I laughed about it actually two, three days ago here at the factory because we were working with tobacco and stuff and, and someone hands me twice during some tobaccos we were revising without even looking at it you feel you know you know your tobaccos you feel the textures you know what you have in your hand uh I, I just tell the person i'm like there are two leaves there and they were they were not correctly this uh so they were sticking together or two leaves and i just turned my and, you know it's stuffed and it just made me think back there and i would have just looked at it and said it's tobacco you know, little things like these, once again, there is no school. Um, the only way is, you know, get your hands on. And, and that's always the one thing that I, I think is key f- for anybody looking at this industry and wanting to really caring about it should be hands on and should be. Uh, it's probably one of the main reasons why we have the factory now, too.
0: You know. And, and Brian, I'm sure working with Dion, you learned a bit about tobacco as well and how and cigar making and, and blending.
2: Oh, it's yeah, you know it's it's fascinating the world, right that we live in. And I think you know, you never stop learning every day. There's always something new to see and experience. and it's just it's ama- it's an amazing world in that aspect because there there is, like Sebastian said, there's no like definitive book you can read, there's no school you can go to. It's just about watching the people you surround yourself with and learning from them and watching like our factory general manager is an absolutely amazing guy. I mean, I, I have a little bit of a language barrier because unlike Sebastian, I don't speak five languages. Um, there, there's a little bit of a language barrier. And it's one of the things that I want to do is be able to really get into his brain to see what's what he's thinking about, how he approaches it. Same thing with Sebastian. I just watch and I, I observe and I did the same thing with Dion. Just watch and observe and, and see how they approach their craft, you know, and it's amazing. And it really is amazing. Let's be honest.
1: Dion is probably one of the best schools in terms of blending and palette, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, palette it now. Is, is, is very, very, very defined and very, very delicate. Um, probably one of the most delicate palettes that we have to this day in the industry I think so yeah it's definitely uh it was I mean you know for 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 having Brian join us after such another you know a prestigious uh brand and and and, and well-renowned you know uh, cigar maker was was you know something that meant a lot to us obviously it brings a lot of additional knowledge understanding and everything that as, as Brian said, you, you can't stop learning, right? And you need to fill those gaps with people that know different different aspects that you might not know, or or bring some more some more to the table to continue advancing and continue growing. That
2: you know, I have a question for you that I wanted to ask you, and I can't believe I never asked you. Why Honduras? Hmm.
0: That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, like you, I've out of all the cigar making countries out there, the Dominican and you know, Nicaragua, Nicaraguan, like, wh- wh- why did you choose Honduras?
1: And 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 remember, so I was born in Switzerland, so Cuba is open. Um, you know, I've, I've traveled there, it's not something that was uh, not an option either. Obviously, you can't really. Do much about it, but at least going and discovering, which which was interesting too, that was part of the plan. But um, to be completely honest, um, my first stop I wanted it to be Cuba or the DR. So I, I took an open ticket, just you know, one way. I just decided to go, and I would figure out when it was time to come back home. Um, so I, I wanted to fly to border the DR or to the, 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 the or to Cuba and um i went to the, the agent that helped me book and everything at the time so i had, once again no fucking idea what i was doing uh to be honest uh and the guy was like yeah sure but it's you know hurricane season so i don't really recommend that um but for the two other countries are nicaragua or honduras and i just he just randomly said well we'll book a flight to honduras then i was like well okay and um that's really what happened i i i you know honduras was just at, at, an option. <laughs> just, just an option and, and something that ended up being picked by someone randomly in my, in, in my life. It was not me, uh, the, the plan, and it's something I did. I spent time in Nicaragua, I spent time in the DR, I spent time in Cuba, Costa Rica, different countries, right? But the first day here in Danli changed everything. It, it probably was, in a way, a good thing. Uh, no, most more than probably, it was just a good thing, just, you know, fate, luck sometimes. Uh, Came here and happened to meet the right people, and just made this my home instead of Nicaragua or instead of DR or something like this. Which obviously nowadays, for example, um, most people turn immediately to Nicaragua, and I'm actually very happy it's not the case. Um, you know, it 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 makes it special to me. It makes it the uh, it's it. Daní really is a special place. The people here are amazing there are big players in the industry here and everything. And, 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 you know, Honduras produces a lot of handmade cigars a year. Um, a lot of tobacco. Hamastán is, is, was, was, was named the, the Farm of Central America at the time. It's a huge tobacco growing area. Um, yeah, but, the, but, but, you know, history and, and different things, politics and different things at the time, made that a lot of manufacturers torn, turned to Nicaragua instead of, instead of Honduras and even nowadays. It's honestly easier to get you know licensing and everything and permits to open a factory, for example, in Nicaragua than it is here in Honduras. Um but Honduras is just because of what happened, the random random no it's hurricane season, you should go to the land or what were the other countries, Nicaragua, Honduras, <laughs> okay, you go to Honduras. Just because of that quick two minute discussion, Honduras became what it you know, what it is to me today, what it is to us and and that made Cavalier, that made everything that changed our lives you know, a lot of It's It's amazing
2: how life comes at you like that and you you know, because I said to you what, two nights ago in the restaurant or wherever we were in the bar and I said, if you would have asked me if I'd be sitting in Honduras ten years ago, I would have told you no way you know, but because we met up and now here we are, and because of a random act, we're here.
1: <laughs> it was literally because of a, a random, a random, um,
0: uh, multi Okay,
2: I can go now. Thanks for having me. I got my question <laughs> answered. Yeah, I mean,
0: yeah. but, but it, it is interesting because maybe if you had not gone to Honduras when you did, you would have ended up there eventually, but. You have to wonder, would you have met the same people in that same sequence? And it seems like the people that you that you were there in the right place at the right time. So it makes you wonder, would you have met, you know, those people that help guide you along and said, you need to speak to this person or you need to go to this factory. Or, you need to go look at here. And like, like I said, you probably would have ended up in Honduras, but it would completely have been just, you know, one of those multi multiverse situations where, you know, <laughs> It might have happened like five years later or you might have still been like looking for that you know those connections and and yeah. that introduction to the Placencia family especially seems to be that catalyst that gave so, you that place to explore and to yeah. figure things out before you started cavalier
1: yeah and you know it's once again um you know, I have, I've said it several times. I think um, today is the easiest day to start a cigar brand, right? Especially when you're in the U.S., you'll always find shop someone that knows someone, that knows someone that has a brand or has seen a rep or something, and you'll find someone that's going to make cigars for you. But, you know, let's face it. Um, for me, this is a huge no-go. It's something and it's no, you know, it's, it's, that's a really personal thing. I think it's an industry it's a small family it's good to be part of it and to be part of it it's good to be involved in it right and more than that once again there is no school there is no you know books never going to tell you what you have to know uh and and you, you have to there's one thing that i can't even start to explain here but the the fact of knowing everybody here you know this the time span the people the relationship the the feeling we have, you know, you take the size of our factory. We're we're shy under a hundred people working. Um, it's every single person here, every single face is a face we're familiar with, and every single action they're taking a day to make what we, you know, what we need done, and them understanding why and how and everything happens because, you know, you're it only happens if you're completely involved and in, it. In, in. It adds so much value because once you understand, you know, the people behind and when I say the people behind, I never, I never mean
0: any of us brand
1: owners or, or, you know, founders or, or sales directors or stuff like this. I really mean the people behind the people that you don't see, the people that make it happen. We should just be considered messengers of their work in a way. We just message it differently, one from each other. We work a little differently, one from each other. With tobaccos and everything, but but they are the ones that that are the heart of this industry. But that 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 whole thing only happens when you when you when you take that chance and and you know um, and spend a little time around around the people down here. You know it just
0: adds so much dimension to the final product. And when you started Cavalier. Did you know what you wanted it to be or what you wanted it to become and what you wanted to accomplish or or were you kind of just figuring things out as you were going along like what was the plan
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh i i I, you know i was laughing a couple of times a couple of these last weeks with brian i was like we've been i'm sorry for the words but we've been winging this shit so hard for the first couple of years (laughs) You know, it's it's funny. We tobacco is something that you will never start learn, learning from and about. Um, but there is a point where you know that you can work with it, right? So we were. I felt lucky enough to to be at that point where I had my own take on tobacco. I had my own vision of tobacco and everything. So I was. This part was pretty much under control, and and then with you know backup of. of with from amazing people that have the 150 years of you know history and stuff like this but the whole rest i had never you know run a company before that um i had never managed you know people i had never nothing i, I didn't know anything of this so definitely winged it pretty hard and then you know step by step with a little bit bit of luck starting to get the right people coming around and and my wife that started very early on which was not my wife at the time but working and helping me, uh, she's actually born and raised here in Lee. Um and then, you know, slowly but surely, more and more people coming on board and, and being part of the team. And I said, you know, six years later, you, you look at a the team that's shy under 100 people, um, so now we're pretty confident about what we do and where we go. But I can I can completely be honest and, and find with myself saying that, yeah, no, we had no, I had no, no idea. I just knew I wanted to do it. I just knew I would figure out a way to do it. I just really didn't know how it would happen. And you know, yeah, things just come together, I think.
0: So what was that first cavalier blend that you worked on or release that you worked on? So
1: you know it that came i i can still tell you today that this the the process started so it was um uh it's it, i had been here for a couple of months already and everything and i started being more confident about you know the work here rolling packaging and all those kind of things you know starting to understand more spend how spent days and days and weeks and and so doing all those activities with the employees of the factories started being confident about it and i you know once again, I was 22, 23 uh, at the time, and I had already been given a chance to learn, so I didn't feel like I was in a position to ask for anything, and I didn't know how it was. Um, so that was New Year's Eve um, at, uh, at, at Dean's house, which is where we're sitting right now, actually, which turned into the factory now. Um, in an area called El Sarsal, a nice residential area of Dundee, with all the family, only Cubans with, a, you know, with music, dancing, and a weird Swiss guy sitting on a chair and having some drinks and, and yeah. some food. And I remember Adin coming back to me during that day and um, looking at me and just saying, hey, you know, if, if you want to do something about what, what you learn, if you want to do something about it, um, we'll help you. We're going to make it, you know, we'll be with you and we'll help you do it. And um, I just said, OK, it was, you know, uh, at the end of every year, the factory is here closed for two to four weeks, depending on how the workload is. And um, so it was New Year. They were supposed to be closed two more weeks. And he said, OK, I'll call someone. Monday. there's going to be someone at the factory, a, you know, production manager, a couple of other people will prepare you some tobaccos. To tell us what you want, what you're thinking of uh we'll let you play around with it i'll be there with you uh and we we went to the factory on monday morning factory closed except for those couple of people helping us and uh i with the time i had worked a little bit with tobacco down there and started understanding what they you know the the key tobaccos they 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 were using and and the ones that you know i I was getting more and more familiar with um i started thinking what you know what is it going to have to take to create what I had in mind at the time. And, and you know, coming from Europe, growing up in Europe, um, I was used to nothing very maduro, nothing very heavier, very dark in flavor and stuff like this, um, flavor profile. So I was much more orientated to, you know, milder but nicely layered in flavors, uh, complex, habano, um, criollo kind of blends and things like this. So started working and had a pretty clear idea where I wanted to go. And we ended up, you know, with what you know today or what, you know, people that know us know today as the white series. So which is the white boxes, white and gold boxes with the white band and the gold diamond under the white band, which is still that same mild, mild to medium, medium um, cigar that has no ligero in it. It's it's purely secos and visos. It's a very, um, very low priming Habano wrapper uh, Connecticut binder and then fillers from Paraguay Dominican Republic and Nicaragua so you have you know you have that same blend that's that 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 was that first creation at the time that that the spirit or the, the 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 mindset that I had at the time or my approach of cigars translated into that that cigar
0: And Brian, do you remember the first time he he smoked a Cavalier cigar, and what was your reaction?
2: I did. um, It was um, it was the White Series actually, and it was before I knew Sebastian. And I had it, and you could tell that it was very indicative of where he came from, as far as cigars go. You know, it's it's very it's complex, it's layered in flavor, but um, you know, on that medium mild side and um but i remember saying to somebody hey there's something here and then i got to meet him like you know a couple of months later and to talk to the guy it all made sense because you know it's funny how cigar blends reflect the personalities of the person of the people blending them um and so he was exactly what I expected him to be like
1: <laughs> and uh, I don't really, just to interrupt him, I really
2: don't know how to take this one, but um, <laughs> I'll just give it a pass I guess no I, and and then um, you know as we as our friendship evolved, I started to smoke more and more of his cigars and you know the next phase of his blending was i would imagine was very challenging for him because it was very unlike what he grew up with and had around him smoking so the usa exclusive and the black had to be a very challenging
1: project it was very different and it's funny because i really think you know my way of looking at tobacco and, and, and working with tobacco has changed a lot through time. Every time that someone something else comes out that we put out, it 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 kind of reflect it it is a reflection of um, some focus that I've had or something. You know, it's it's just a general feeling. It's not just creating, oh uh, let's put another product on the market. It's it really is a reflection and you, and, and you can see it. I mean, we've not pushed three hundred different core lines out. It really reflects a a time frame that i need you know with a certain obsession for usually one tobacco Um, and the last one was a a very good example for example with the, the jalapa the liso jalapa um i kind of usually get obsessed about that one tobacco kind of have it process it for quite a bit of time and a couple of months in start working with it um to get towards where i think the result should be um and, and and that just makes that the portfolio all the core we have one from each other are complete distinct um, offerings but I think there is a certain signature in there because there there are things that didn't change you know I always work mainly with visos and stuff like this you know there are there are things that are very key to my my way of looking at tobacco but it still reflects different times in in my life around tobacco and my life around the, the cigar industry and I think the people I need you know the, the other things I see in the market, the other cigar makers and 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 the experiences you get through you know their way of expressing tobacco and and which is I think really interesting, really, really interesting because everybody, uh, everybody, I uh, think nowadays know that knows that we're in a kind of golden age, right? It's been over uh, probably more than a decade now that there has been more and more and more, cigar makers brand that and, and brand that evolved to trying to bring the best they could with the best tobacco they could find um or process or whatever the process is and um it's it's challenging to to stay on top of that game but it's also very interesting because it refreshes your mind on a regular basis and suddenly you fall on the tobacco you're like oh now i need to think about this you know i need to look yeah. at what that means for me and if there is a way I can do something about it, and I can I can tell you that there's been some I've never been able to crack. You know, there's been stuff like Connecticut broadleaf wrapper um, that uh, there is still a production sitting at an old factory that's never going to see the light of the day um, because I thought I had cracked that 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 wrapper with that blend, and I let it rest a little bit, and it turned into something that I would not give. raccoon to smoke (laughs) let's put it that way so Um, you know it's 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 just there it just stays and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't
0: i know in the cigar lifestyle and the cigar industry it's one thing to have a product but if you don't have a community built around your your brand you're kind of lost like you don't have much much room to go you have the best product in the world but you need that following and i know brian you're used to seeing that because any all the illusion you know smokers are are just fanatic about dion they're fanatic about the cigars um and you just think of all the other brands in the industry the same way so how have you gone about building that community or building that experience around cavalier and how would you define what the Cavalier experience is.
2: So it's, it's it's really interesting that you use that word experience, because, uh, when you come right down to it, we, we don't sell cigars, we sell experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and actually you asking me when I first smoked my first Cavalier brought me immediately back to that moment, right? It was the experience that I remember. And actually, somebody gave me that cigar. They said, here, you ought to try this. Um, And that's what's beautiful about this industry. So, um, you know, the Cavalier uh, experience, you know, starts pretty much here at the factory and the way we've built this family here. Um, You know, we've taken kind of a Western philosophy of leadership and applied it into a third world factory um, and it's a little bit of a different change and then as far as the brand goes um, you know the the following and the and the people that have uh enjoyed the cavalier experience um, it's mainly attributed to sebastian and his efforts here with his blending skills um, you know you have to deliver a product that you know far exceeds expectation and also the quality needs to exceed the price point um which if you can deliver that you you have a winning uh scenario on your hands and so uh you know we just really build our community and and as part of our family you know i mean everybody who smokes we try to interact with people as much as we can on social media um you know just getting out there and just you know creating the experience behind the brand giving them the story i mean sebastian's story is amazing and you know people that haven't heard it need to hear it because it's amazing i mean who at 22 i know i didn't do it at 22 leaves your home and comes to honduras you know of all places i mean geneva switzerland dan lee honduras i mean they they they're they're so polar opposite but that's a huge quantum leap to take a faith and um you know to just tell people that story and how it all evolved and then the factory the factory made a big difference for the brand i mean it was really uh at that point uh we began to control our future and so uh, we can deliver that experience day in and day out for people that um, join the Cavalier family. Yeah, I think you know. I think one of the first
1: uh, focuses we've had um, when we started hiring people was communication. Right? Um, we we needed we needed you know people to help us with other aspects, and we knew it. But communication, I think, you know, is is really important in terms of, you know, social media, whatever it is, being able to interact with people. Because people, when people take the time to, you know, reach out, when people take the time to to share experiences about what, uh, you know, has been created through Cavalier and everything, um, it, it we, we felt it, that it was absolutely key and primordial to start there. To start with putting the, the, the team in place so that, um, people like Sarah now can can or Wes can can communicate and answer to these, to and you know give give back the time that has been given to us, the chances that have been given to us and everything, and just just say thank you. Sometimes simply, I think that's really key to it. And and uh, Wes, for example, uh, on the on the hard and you know old school marketing side of things, has also helped us a lot to see because a brand is is like a kid, right? It's born at some point. It looks like a baby when it's born. There is a lot of things to fix and to learn and to grow. And it stands up, falls again, stands up, falls again, and so on until it walks. And, and, and starts you know, adolescence and, and does some other mistakes and you know um, discovers uh, who that brand. The brand has to be a, a separate person, right? And, and we, we thank the work with Wes and everything. See, that's, that's the beauty of having a team in the office next door that just slap the doors. <laughs> she's just looking at us like, Ay, ay, Annelis, gracias. <laughs> now you all know her name, yeah, She um, She's actually our head of HR here at the back of the She's amazing. Yeah, she is amazing. She's, she's, a, she's a very, very kind person. Um, a little brutal with doors, but very kind person. <laughs> Um and it, you know it's it's helped us discover that the brand has a certain bipolarity to it. It's always been, you know, the first look at it is very elegant. You have you have the gold diamond, you have very classic, clean uh presentations, but it always has a kind of artsy background, um nearly a little street more street kind of artsy background. So it, it, it really had that personality and so it helped us understand to put that personality out and I think made it also more reliable for people I mean people can relate to we all have you know very opposite things usually we like and, and we we like to send and do and and, and I think it, it made it more of, a, of an appealing you know understandable and more appealing thing than just being a product right so a lot of things like this we've been very very focused on that early on as soon as we could and then started developing from there
0: and in terms of the factory I know when we were speaking offline, you know, through email about the uh, the story that we're working on. You were talking about with the factory that you wanted to approach it with a modern kind of Western approach. So can you define like what that is? Because I think a lot of people out there are, especially after the pandemic, they're starting their own businesses. They're kind of seeing now with the pandemic how uh, what's the word, how it's. Uh, you know, what advantage they kind of get from having their own factory and controlling that production um, to kind of deal with the supply chain issue. So what like what is that approach to the to making the factory? Because even though the factory in Honduras, that doesn't mean obviously that it has to operate like a Honduran factory. You have to obviously you figured it out pretty early on that it needs to operate in a completely different manner. So what was that? approach?
2: Well, I think the, the biggest shift is, you know, it, it in business, people use the word management and manager, and, and we use words like leadership and leader. Um, I think it's putting the key people in place that know the difference, right? They know how to lead people versus managing them. You know, like you, you manage your your finances or you manage your exercise routine. You know, you lead people and you develop them and you realize the strengths that they have and the weaknesses they have, and you um, utilize their strengths and you improve on, on their weaknesses. So the key difference here is, is, is we have leaders in all the departments that uh, run the, the factory. We have different departments. We have, you know, the production floor has a leader. And, uh, you know, it, to, to what Sebastian said, it all comes down to how you communicate what you need to accomplish in the vision. And if you're going to manage people generally, you're behind them telling them what they did wrong. And if you're going to lead them, you're out in front of them telling them what they're going to do right. And so that's that's the huge impact that taking that western style of leadership has brought to the factory and then also giving people input to um, somebody asked us last night how much input do people in the factory have and you know they have all the input in the world you know if they see something or if they have an idea uh whether it's even about a blend you know it's yeah. like hey i really think this cigar could be better if we put this into it, um, you know. So it's just that communication and listening skills, and leadership that makes the difference. And I think, if I may, just add on that, you know,
1: there there is several there are several things that that changed in the world lately, and some, you know, I think some shifts happened that are happening and had to happen. We turned, I think, the world turned into. Um, uh companies that were there just for quick profit quick turnarounds and you know the rest of doesn't matter you know we need to make this happen and sorry for the work but fuck the rest of the things right um and and i think the world kind of is waking up and and is understanding that how people feel when they're at work you know we all old- I mean, anybody here, anybody in this world spends probably at least 80% of their time, 70-80% <laughs> of their time at work, their entire life. So, what is what is it if you have to wake up every morning and, you know, can't wait for the weekend to be there, can't wait for the next holidays, can't wait, we all like holidays, don't get me wrong, right? That's never going to change, we're human. But, but there is a way, when it becomes that predominant, when it becomes so upfront in people's minds, that you understand it's not right, right? And and one key, uh, when we selected the two um, people that were about to, you know, build the team around them and the departments, um, there were two key aspects that we talked about in that um, their job was to comply with. And the first one was how people would feel working here and the, amb- the ambience right? The work ethic, the ambient and everything. And um, the second one was service. Um, The the thing that you will see if you walk through our factory right now is nobody's heads down. Everybody's going to look at you and smile. Everybody's going to try to talk to you it's actually a bit of a problem when you come in the morning and say hi to everybody because it takes you like 45 minutes <laughs> and because you're you're half rude and have to go right mm-hmm. um, but it but it's that's what we wanted we want the people the, the best example i have what some of the best examples i have is first um first is uh, i'll take a, i'll take one name jessica jessica is is our uh, is is if you want the head of the packaging section uh departments and so she was one of the people that taught me how to put cigars in cellos. when i first learned she had that she had had that job uh for 18 years in that one factory she had a stable life she had nothing nothing to there was nothing no reason to change she had been there for so long the day she learned that we were opening she quit that job and came
0: wow you know Um,
1: and she's not the only one that's there are people here that taught me how to roll there are (laughs) people here that the first days i was in honduras trying to understand what the hell they were doing and trying to tell me tell tell that that to me in spanish 25 different ways to help me pick up at least a word or two uh the people that basically told me how to taught me how to speak spanish left jobs they had and jumped on board with us new company no security the first you know you don't know we could have crashed the first month
2: we had no idea
1: (laughs) they they didn't even think about it you know 10 years 15 years 25 years our our, the 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 head of our production had has over 25 years of experience he was not working in tobacco anymore because he had no need financial needs for it and when we called he was like well sure I'll be there and he's been there ever since you know it's, it's 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 stuff like this that 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 really echoes i think for me it's that's that's what, what what i think we mean by by that more modern uh western world approach is how do we make sure that people have a smile on their face yes it's work yes there is standards to me yes there are risk you know it's 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 what it is but it doesn't mean that it can't be a good environment so that was very important and Another, yeah. I think another quick example was last time Brian came in. So there's a pair that rolls only Salomones all day long. And that's all they do. They're, they're very good at it. And um, they've been set on that Vitolas ever since we, we opened the factory. And um, she had not seen Brian for a couple of months. And she saw him come in. Didn't say anything. She rolled. She took out of her time because they have tareas, right? They have a certain amount of cigars they have to make a day. She took just time out of her day to actually make a random custom barber pulse Salomones, and just stood up, gave it to Brian, left. Who asked for it? Nobody asked for it, nope. you know. And and it's it's not something. Those kind of little things just they mean huge. the world for us because it means that people are happy, you know. And that's it, really what it is.
2: To give you another example, real quick, if we may tell you another story, the factory used to open at seven o'clock. <laughs> Go ahead. You tell the story. <laughs> we used to it's open so at seven bad. o'clock and, you know, people would be outside the factory at six 30 in the morning waiting to come to work. And so then we decided we would open at six 30. Well, then people were sitting outside at, <laughs> at six <laughs> o'clock and then, and so on. And it got to the point where it was almost five 30 so, in yeah. the morning. <laughs> so what,
1: it got to the point where, um, uh, some of the some of the people would come in to open the doors at six. They were like, okay, six, but no more. Not six. Under six, we're not here. It's not okay. So they came in and they started coming at five thirty. <laughs> so they told them, okay, stop. You know, you do whatever you want, but we're not opening before six. And so the person that comes in earliest now is his name is David. And um, I talked to him the other day. I was like, this, is, this was really crazy, right? He's like, no, I'm actually opening at 5.30 now because it broke my heart. They were always there at 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> so the factory opens at 5.30 in the morning because wow. people would come earlier. You know, when usually you tell people to come to work and at like eight, between eight, 8 and 8.30, you give them a window, they'll be here at 8.40, right? So, <laughs> no, here you tell them 7, they come half an hour earlier to see if they can get in. It's
2: ridiculous, you know, it's... Look, we, we have a philosophy that, you know, people deserve to be happy in their personal life. They also deserve to be happy while they're at work, you know? I mean, there's so many people in this world, in corporations today, that are absolutely miserable from the minute they arrive to the minute they go home, and then they're happy with their personal life. Well, I think people deserve to be happy on both fronts, you know? Um that's really important to us i mean that doesn't mean that there aren't you know standards and there aren't it just makes achieving those goals that much easier when the people that you've surrounded yourself and work with you are happy to be here it makes all the difference in the world you know you don't have any angry rolled cigars coming out (laughs) of our factory you know it makes a big difference i mean it makes accomplishing goals and and building for the future that much easier when you put a team in place that is dedicated to, you know, the, the, the well-being and the happiness of the people here, you know. So that's really important to us.
0: And, and I definitely agree with that because whenever people don't factor in the emotional part of working. So however you're feeling when you're working or when you come to work or with whatever you do obviously that emotion is going to get embedded in that product so the last thing you want people to be is uh angry or tired or like you said working for the weekend because obviously that feeling and that vibe is going to be part of that your blend which is not an ingredient that you want
1: no and we're talking about complete something is completely handmade that depends on that right it really does i mean we don't most of the time, most people, I mean, nobody really thinks of it, I think, and, and it really does. I mean, it's not machine, it's not if you're angry in the morning, you don't just pull a button and let it roll, you actually have to sit there and make the thing the thing that you have to do happen. Um, so it's, you know, little things, but it, it's more, it becomes more of a little side stories, but it, it's, it's really something that matters for us and, and, and makes a whole difference
0: as we come towards the the end of our hour together i have a final question for each of you so for brian your final question is um what's somebody comes to you and they want to start a new business what's your advice to them to get started like where how do they get started so you know
2: starting oh, i'm sorry starting You're a new hitting business me now? i'm sorry <laughs> starting a new business is that's business. how i get treated at work <laughs> starting a new business is really a a huge responsibility. And the thing that I can really advise people on is, if your work uh, business is gonna require human uh, resources and people to make it successful, look beyond the person that is working in your company. And look to their family, because it's one of the things I told Sebastian about when we started here, I said, you know, the 100 people that we have working with us here at the factory, um, they have four or five people at home that rely on this job, this income. So always look beyond what what's in front of what's in front of you. You know, you may think, OK, I'm going to give this business a try. And I'm going to hire 10, 15, 20, 100, whatever the number is. But always remember that those people rely on that to make a living. And there's people at home that rely on them as well. So take that very seriously in how you're going to go about executing on your business plan. Because a business plan is just paper. People are people. And you have to look at that aspect of the business and see if what you're structuring can sustain itself and run the long game. It's not a flick this light switch on and you start making money. It's 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 the long game. You're in it for the long road. And be part of it. Be present and always lead. And when things are bad, look in the mirror. When things are good, look out the window and say, look at what the people here have accomplished. When things are all messed up, look in the mirror because generally it starts with you first. And so that would be the advice I would give them. Look forward, always look beyond what's in front of you, what's on the next hill, not the hill in front of you. And always keep in mind that the people that join your business rely on that. And there's people that rely on them. So take it very seriously and think
0: it through. And Sebastian, your question is, What's your tips for those people who find themselves in a leadership position? Like, what's your, do you have a number one tip for people who are kind of leading companies or leading effort projects or whatever it is?
1: I don't know if it's a tip and I don't know if, if, I'm, if I'm in a position to, uh, to, to, to give any tips, to be honest. But one thing that I think is, is absolutely key and has been for me and is always, um, is surround yourself with the right people. Around, research, you know, know your know what you can do and know what you can't do and, and you know, invest in people around you because it's again, you know, not in a selfish way just for me, for me, but what what do we need to make it work? It's all about knowing where your limits are, what you can, what you can't do. I, I really think, you know, I I can't there is no way I can do Cavalier today without hundred people that are here find those hundred people. But, you know, it took a year. It took a year to find uh, some, it took a year for Brian to take that position. We look for a year for someone. So sometimes you sacrifice a little bit until you find the right person, but, you know, take that time. That it, it really makes a difference. It does.
0: Now for those people who are not watching this and who may be listening to this interview, could you tell, both of you tell people what website they need to follow, what social media, they need to follow in order to keep up with the company and also with each of you.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. So um, the first one uh, is I think the main communication channel that we use the most and the one that we have also dedicated uh, time and people for uh, to respond and everything directly is Instagram. Um, So at Cavalier underscore cigars. That's the, the easiest. Um, you'll actually follow on Sarah. So she's very kind. If you have any questions, please reach out. Please feel free. Follow us there. We'll make sure to uh, communicate, repost, do everything needed. And, and we appreciate everything you guys do there for us. And website would be cavalier-cigars.com. Um, and that's just you know general information. Um, please don't try to... We don't sell direct, we don't have anything there. So it's really informational, but there is also a contact email form. So if you have questions, it's another way to reach out and just fall into the office instead of someone directly. So it's going to take a little more time usually. And then personal ones for, for me is um, Sebastian, S-E-B-A-S-T-I-E-N, at A-T Cavalier
2: for Instagram. and, and um on My Instagram is BMO, B-M-O, underscore Cavalier. At Cavalier. Sorry. <laughs> underscore at Cavalier. <laughs> underscore at Cavalier. <laughs> it's always the
1: weirdest thing. When I read his, I try to read everything, and it, it, now you split it
2: with the BMO ads, so that works pretty well. BMO <laughs> at Cavalier. I don't even remember my Instagram ads. Because it's not about us at the end of the day. <laughs> it's about everybody everybody listening everybody working in this factory its that's who it's all about so we you. appreciate we, we appreciate, appreciate being on here thank yeah. you so
0: much yeah, I was, thank, you. thank you so much right. for coming on i know it's it's just an hour but as we were talking about before the show i feel like there's so many cigar podcasts that are like two or three hours long and then you know there's no way to follow up you know, within that same year or even with a year later, because it's like you've spoken about everything that needs to be spoken about. So hopefully you all will come back on uh, in the near future. And we, because there's so much more about Cavalier that I know we didn't touch on, but hopefully people listening could take this as a little bit of a teaser to the Cavalier and we'll look into uh, your brand a little bit more. So um, definitely want to follow up, but thank you all for coming on and for sharing your story to this, uh, this afternoon and, everybody who's watching and listening
2: we appreciate it very much thank you thank
0: you thank you and for anybody who's watching this on facebook or youtube or twitter make sure you hit that like button the follow button uh if you're listening to this on any of the podcasting platforms just make sure you hit the subscribe button um, to be notified anytime we come up with new content we try to do at least a show a week um we have some pretty good shows coming up in next month in may and uh if this is your first show then you're in luck because there's about 84 different episodes for you to catch up on so uh yeah, you have another work pl- <laughs> yeah, there's plenty of stuff for you to catch up on uh and, and listen and uh this interview as well as all the other ones that um i've done so far for deep cuts will be on deepcutslive.com so you can go there to get caught up on all the different interviews and there's a few press releases for uh, news from the, this industry as well. So um, I want to thank our guests for coming on and sharing this hour and six minutes with us. And I know that they have another little event, I think this after, uh, this evening to, to get to. So we're going to let them go. And um, for everybody who's watching, like I said, thank you for watching and thank you for listening. And uh, as I usually say at the end of these now, and until next time. So thank you.
2: Thank you. So, thank you.
0: Thank you.